Welcome to Elemental Fun, a historical and cultural look of the elements of the periodic table. Welcome to Elemental Fun. My name is Grace. My name is Cindy. And we are going to talk today about the rest of the halogen group. Halogen salt producing. That's yes. what it means. Oh. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like, holla. <laughs> holla, yo. <laughs> no, holla back, girl. Mm. No. 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 Dang. No. So they like to produce salt. We're going to talk today about bromine, acetine, iodine, and just for <laughs> kicks and giggles. Tennessean. Tennessean. Yeah, the one that no one knows or cares about, because <laughs> it's barely a barely a thing. It's barely a thing. It's true. So we're just gonna throw that one in at the end and be like, by the way, boom. <laughs> this is what we found out about this guy. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> not much. There's really <laughs> not much. Yeah, it's tennis. I think it's Tennyson. Hmm. Or Tennessee. I N E. I don't know. Um, potato, uh, potato. Yeah, I mean, it de- basically depends on if you're British or not. Oh well, because in in the United States, if it's I N E of the E, of the bossy E, the E makes the I say its name, so it'd be Tennessine. Oh, right. Like we say iodine. Oh, right, yeah. But we don't say bromine. We say bromine. bromine. English is very tricky. It's a whole. Explaining to a six-year-old is. It's a whole smorgasbord of. I do not envy English teachers teaching English to oh young children. Oh my gosh! Like, well, yes, it's this, but except for this, but except for that time, and over half, here it goes half this. of the time the uh, the the rules I teach in second grade, I'm like, yeah. well, it kind of applies sometimes, not always. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what is that? Why? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Because we're uh, the smorgasbord of Germanic and Latin and Greek and exactly. Someone just went cherry picking when they made our language. And they're <laughs> like, I like this one. Oh, and that one. And, and this uh, one. Yeah. They're just. Yeah. Fun times. But yep. this isn't a podcast about the <laughs> English <laughs> language because. Oh, That'd be, uh, that would be uh, terrible. Uh, that was okay. me pretending to vomit. Um, instead, it's about elements. Elements. So. Bromine. Let's start with bromine. Let's start with bromine. Bromine's pretty cool. It was discovered in 1826 by Antoine Jérôme Ballard mm-hmm. in Montpellier, France. Yes. But mm-hmm. also one year later by Carl Lovig, a student in Heidelberg, Germany. So, Well, actually, he discovered it first. I got that he discovered it. He brought it to his professor. His professor was like, cool, you should make more of it. Get more samples. And so he's like, right. okay, I'll go get more I'll samples. Go. And then. It was kind of the same time because yeah. he did that, trying to get it. And then when he did that, Antoine published his results. So right. I think Antoine still found it first. He, and he, he is considered the founder. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of. You sucky can understand for Carl. why Germany, you know, it was mad at France <laughs> for a long time. Seriously, you just stole our element. Yeah. Such a, you know, vital one. Yeah. <laughs> But they both, so they both found it from, basically from water. Yeah. Um, Carl took a water from his uh, natural spring by his house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Antoine took it from seawater. So when you, mm-hmm. um, the concentrated, concentrated residue, the brine from seawater. Mm-hmm. And then he, I love how they find, figured these things out. He's like, I've got this evaporated brine. I'm going to pass chlorine gas through it. 
just fun. Kicks and giggles. <laughs> um, so he did that. Might and then kill he. Kill me, might not. Right. Know. You know, uh, poisonous gas, green poisonous gas. It's <laughs> good times. Uh, so, I love scientists. He's like, this will be fun. Funny. So they, um, when he did that, he liberated an orange-red liquid, and that's what he did th- thought was I like that he called it liberated. He's like, I am free. <laughs> I liberated you from your confines. I am bromine. <laughs> and so I'm he, pretty he, sure there's a hero movie that goes something like that, where yeah. they free like a villain from oh. not Transformers in the ice. Oh, Decepticon yeah, was in the, say, ice, yeah, in the ice, and they like yeah. freed him from the mm-hmm. ice. Not not on purpose. Same. Th- well, he didn't purposefully free bromine. <laughs> He didn't know it was there. Well, he was obviously trying to do something. <laughs> I think it was just a guy that'd be like, hmm, it's a Who's Saturday afternoon this? and I'll have a girlfriend. So do it. I have this poisonous gas. He so he actually suggested the name uh, Muria or a uh, Muride from Muria, which means brine. Mm. Because it came from brine. Boring. But apparently nobody liked that. So <laughs> then it, the actual name bromine came from uh, the Greek bromos, which means stench. Because <laughs> it <laughs> stinks to high heaven. Yes, it like does. chlorine. A sharp, uh, a sharp smell. Deep red, oily liquid with a sharp smell. I thought maybe it's called bromine because of the whole women's hysteria thing, but we'll get to that later. Ooh, I don't know about that. Oh my goodness! Ooh, goodness! Is, there's some, some crazy cu- there's stuff There's some here. culture in bromine. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited too. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. So, the, um, what's really cool? One of the special things about bromine is that it's the only non-metal. To exist as a liquid at room temperature. Yes, I I found that too. And bromine and mercury are the only ones that are liquid at room temperature and pressure. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also, isn't it like you can get it from seaweed and the green yes. seaweed produces the iodine and the red seaweed produces the bromine. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Yeah, that's what... Um, well, I don't know about the red and the green, but I'm sure you're right. I... <laughs> I know I'm right. I just know that you do get a lot from, from uh, seaweed. And we'll talk more about it, especially with iodine, because that's where most of the sea comes from. Mm-hmm. But they use, um, <coughs> um, they use, use in a lot of different things, um, agricultural chemicals, dye stuffs, insecticides, pharmaceuticals, chemical intermediates. Um, but some of these uses are being phased out for environmental concerns, because we'll talk later about how bad bromine is. Yes. Um, but new uses are still being found. <coughs> Use it in flame retardants. Mm-hmm. They add to furniture foam, the plastic casings for electronics, mm-hmm. probably like phones, mm-hmm. textiles. Um, it makes them less flammable. Um, but again, a lot of this has been phased out in the U.S. due to toxicity concerns. <laughs> yeah, a lot of mine, it's like um, compound used in flame retardants. It says phased out, too toxic. <laughs> uh, Howland fire extinguishers mm-hmm. in museums and airplanes and tanks. Those are still the organobromides. They're still Those used. Those are still used. Because um, the agricultural fire ones are, are different. Right. Agricultural chemical, it says phased out, <laughs> environmental reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, um, we used it a lot, and then we're like, oh, this isn't so this good really for good. the environment. They use uh, silver bromide is, was used in photography. Yes, um, so was silver iodine. Mm-hmm. And then, I it didn't know this. It was in leaded fuels. In, yeah, in leaded fuels, yeah. yeah. So um, they used it to prepare 1,2-dibromoethene, which is an anti-knock agent. So I think they needed that when it was leaded because of the knocking of the fuel. I forgot exactly what knocking is. Knock on fuel. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Fuel. Fuel, fuel who? Uh, fuel your car? I don't know. Okay. That, was, that wasn't good. <laughs> Just kidding. I was trying to tell my son, and he tells me a joke, and he, I make a, a fake laugh, and he's like, that's a fake laugh, Mommy. I'm like, well, 
because it wasn't funny. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't want you to fake laugh. I'm like, okay, well, then I won't laugh. And he's like, okay. Aww. And I'm like, well, I, I'm either not going to laugh or do a fake laugh. I don't know which one would you rather. Well, then, like, you, then you just funny. go, oh, that was clever. <laughs> That's what, what teachers did, do. What did you do sometimes, too? You know, or you go, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> good one. Yeah. See, but he catch that too. He catch the, the tone in the voice. Oh, yeah. He's well, <laughs> so too. It, it works on with it. students. <laughs> um, you can only oh. laugh so many times at at second grade jokes. Uh, yeah. Um, so I also found that it actually uh, they use it in, um, coal fired power plants because it reduces the mercury emissions by up to ninety percent. So it it oxidizes the mercury and mm -hmm. then it makes it basically. M makes that oxidation makes it easier for the control systems to pull the mercury out. Mm. That was interesting. Well, fun fact: uh, they used a bromine compound um, to dye the robes of the Roman emperors because it's a nice purple. Oh yeah, it came from uh, uh, selected sea mussels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Expensive. Also, yeah. So <laughs> hence why only the emperors were. Mm -hmm. And. <clears throat> There's a big thing in history about purple and how purple is the color mm. of royalty because purple is not a common, um, it is a common color in nature, but to dye something purple is harder because usually if you take something that's purple and you dye it, you get a dye out of it. It's usually more of a blue. Right. So to get a really rich purple it was really just saved for royalty. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know why a lot of times you see in in cartoons and movies and the royalty is wearing purple ah, um makes sense because it is considered a royal color get, no one right? else was no, no one else was really allowed to use it but they hmm. also couldn't get, get it, it right because it was so rare right but uh that makes sense another weird fun fact you know the ocean is making some type of bromine mm -hmm. and it's um it was the first element to be extracted from seawater, actually. Ooh. Mm -hmm. But oh, it's now only economically vi viable in the Dead Sea because the Dead Sea is so concentrated right. with salty stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like 0.5% rich in bromide, which is apparently very rich very compared rich. to <laughs> other, other sea waters. Yeah, but mm -hmm. so so the, the bromine that is like being made in the ocean is the same kind that's used as a fire retardant, but it's not exactly the same compound. Mm. It has like a the 14th power C I read in a book and I was like I don't know what that means but <laughs> Powerful. um they found it in whale blubber oh and they're like oh no like our pollution has gotten right. this bad but they're like no it's not the same kind of bromine hmm. that is in the fire return it is but it's it's a little different so something in the ocean is making it and we don't know what well what's interesting is the atmosphere so there's a a Bromine is very harmful to the atmosphere. It's, yeah, it's 40, so 40 to 100 times more destructive to the ozone than chlorine atoms, and up to half of the ozone loss over Antarctica is due to bro to reactions involving bromine. Yes. But, um, and the biggest one is like methyl bromide, which is a fumigant, apparently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. However, 30% of the bromine in the atmosphere is from humans, but the rest is all natural. Yeah. So it's interesting. but And it needs the sun for the reactions, so that's why the ozone layer goes away more in the summer, and then almost oh. the... the the hole stops growing or either goes really slow or stops growing in the winter because the sun is less. Yeah. So my note says, we thought chlorofluorocarbons were mm -hmm. bad. CFCs. CFCs yep. um, which you can learn more about in our episode on fluorine. Mm -hmm. But it says, um, bromine atoms are 50 times worse 
they're also I, th- I believe smaller and so they travel up in past into the stratosphere into that higher stratosphere oh they go up higher yeah and so um cause issues yeah but regardless we're still using methyl bromide uh to kill pests in the soil mm. but a lot of those don't go up into the atmosphere because they're eaten by the bacteria in right, the soil right and so it's not like floating up into the sky right. it's not becoming gaseous yes so um in but in in the um so there's li- uh, everybody has a little bit of bromide in them Mm-hmm. So remember, bromide, if the IDE ending means that's the ion form, so it's right. lost. It's um, a safer form, right? Right. Uh, yeah. <coughs> safer. So, yeah, because we, we have bromide yeah, in all living things, but bromine <laughs> is, has an irritating effect on the eyes and throat and produces painful sores when in contact with the skin. Um, it can be absorbed in the body via contaminated water food, breathing it in and through the skin, and it can damage your liver, kidney, lungs, stomach, and can cause cancer. So bromine's not so good. Awesome. But bromide, a little bit, is okay. Do we know the purpose of it in our bodies? Don't no, know, don't care? No, I think it's just <laughs> one we have it. We don't, it's, I don't, I've never heard of anything in, bi- in our mind, biology classes that have explained anything like that. Um, do you want to talk more about environment or should I go culture? Um, well, uh, we get it from electrolysis of uh, those brine-rich deposits. Mm-hmm. And USA, Israel, and China are the big ones. Um, and, oh, uh, going on the environmental part of the ozone layer thing, right. that's my last little bit. Yeah. Um, and NOAA, uh, NOAA reported in, so the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, um, in 2016, uh, bromine and other ozone depleting gases were actually keep being reduced in the atmosphere. Oh. Which is good, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it means that what we're, we're trying to make this bad stuff less is working. So um, we're su- it's suggesting the research that they did is that we're going to reach the n- 1980 levels. That's the kind of benchmark that they put because um, it was increasing. Um, mm-hmm. re- reaching the 1980 levels between 2040 and 2050 in the mid-latitudes and by 2070 over Antarctica. So, Do they know why it's going down? Uh, because we're trying to put less bad stuff into the air <laughs> so we're seeing some good signs i mean it's still going to be a while this before is, there's this is if we still um, have a planet by 27 this is true <laughs> i'm but actually really we're, concerned we're we won't going in the right direction so that's good but i think that's all i have on the uh on the biology of it oh my goodness <clears throat> so, so let's talk about culture oh my gosh okay first off first off um it was there was a bromo seltzer used. It was popular and mentioned a lot in um, the hard drinking American literature of um, kind of the 1930s. So in um, a streetcar named Desire, Blanche Dubois says, "Sometime today I gotta get a bromo." So uh, it was in a lot of medications. It was a okay. sedative. Oh. Um, also, because <laughs> it was toxic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, but. Oh, goodness. I got to read from the book because I, I could not believe this. So, this is the Periodic Tales book. Okay. This is the Periodic yeah, Tales the book. book. The book. Well, okay. So, you know, in the in the mid-late 1800s, um, men were trying to uh, basically stop women from having um, sexual desires. Oh, right. Of and course. they called it hysteria. Oh. When women... Wanted to have sex. Basically. Okay. And they believed that... I mean, a lot of male psychologists and scientists were trying to um, use all, like, they use electric shock therapy to try to, like, 
keep women from being hysterical, which basically meant that they had a sex drive and that they had emotions. (laughs) Um, And so there's, there's a lot of stuff around that. But um, in 1857, Sir Charles Lowcock, ironic name, um, (laughs) he was a physician. He attended Queen Victoria at the birth of all nine of her children. He'd heard that epileptic, oh wow, Mm. that was a word, patients treated with bromide also experienced a reduced libido. Mm. And he decided to try it on women suffering from hysterical, air quotes, disorders. Okay. So he, um, the opinion of the time was that epilepsy was linked to masturbation and other excessive sexual excitation. Oh my! So he re- therefore he reasoned that since women appear to be their most disturbed during menstruation, the bromide treatment might also be effective way to suppress the lustful desires that were supposedly troubling them. So while men kept trying to fix women because they were broken, <laughs> uh, um, one of the ways they tried was with bromide. Hmm. Like here, let me bromide sedate drink. you. Right. So that you won't have these, but don't lustful they, they want to have sex with the women, and they wouldn't if they didn't have libido. Well, Seems kind of backwards. Anyway, well, that's true. I mean, do we really want to go into that? No. Okay. <laughs> um, it in fact, it was so. Um, there was actually a term that came up uh, called uh, sulfites and bromides. So bromides were considered people that were boring, and sulfites. <laughs> Were presumably people who, by contrast, brought a certain uh, pungency to the table. Well, Um, that's kind of funny because, yeah, sulfur is pungent, but so is bromide. (laughs) Yeah, but it's boring. It's a data. Okay. Um, Yeah, so Galette Burgess, um, he he was a... American humorist and wrote a book in 1907 called Are You a Bromide? Oh. I kind of want to find that book. Are you boring? Are you boring? (laughs) Um, also, there is a um, there is a clock tower in Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland, called the Florentine Bromo Seltzer Tower. It stands in the city. It's twelve positions on the clock face. Spell out the name of the drug, and here's a picture of it. So there, bromide has its own clock tower. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Take that well, who, who? society. Oh, so it's just the drug. Yeah. The brand persists, although the product no longer contains any bromine, while the tower has been converted into writer studios where a new generation can nurse their hangovers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, it's right. kind of like, you know. Uh, Keeping the woman down since 1857. <laughs> well, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we're the, you know, put these things in medications or whatever and then find out they're terrible. Like Coca-Cola actually had like cooking it mm-hmm. so you know and they're like oh wait maybe that's not so good but it makes <laughs> everyone so energetic <laughs> so happy uh, or as in the case of bromine so sedated do want to be sedated so i'm like you mad bro my <laughs> <You> mad bro <laughs> so now i know when you tell me that are you bro are you bromine no i'm are not you, boring are you a bromine <laughs> no i'm a sulfide oh my gosh i just want to call someone that now just be like gosh you're such a bromide and they'd be like what and i'd be like yeah yeah, look, look it, it up. up. <laughs> and that would take them forever to find it. We both <laughs> just looked at each other and said, look it up. 
Same brain. Because we're nerds. It's true. All right. We All right. That's about. Got, yeah, that's pretty good. Before about this grooming. baby wakes up. <laughs> yeah, he's wanting to. Don't do it. Okay, so iodine. Yeah. Comes from the Greek iodes, yes. which is violet. Um, it's a black, shiny, crystalline solid. Black, pur- purple, black. Very so deep purple. It's black. <laughs> uh, solid. But um, what's cool is that when you heat it, it sublimes. You know what that is? No. So sublime. Isn't that a band. <laughs> it is a band. <laughs> Pretty good one, but um, sublime means that you 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 go from solid to gas, and you skip the liquid phase. So if you heat it up, it's just like I'm not even being liquid. Whatever, and it so it sublimes into the purple vapor. (laughs) He's like, thank you, next. (laughs) Thank you, next. Moving on. Um, So yeah, it sublimes into this purple vapor, which is why it has the iodine violet. The iodes meaning violet. Yeah. Um, it's one of the uh, rarest elements that is needed for life mm. because it is very important, which we'll talk about. So important. It has. It's a non-metal, but it has metal pr- some metal qualities. So hmm. it's kind of this weird in in between. You're a freak iodine. Freak iodine. I have a personal vendetta against iodine. Ooh. We should get into that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in 1811, Bernard Courtois. Courtois. Courtois in um made saltpeter which is mm-hmm. uh, potassium nitrate uh, mm-hmm. which was using gunpowder so it was very popular so here's the here's the thing about that hmm? he so he used seaweed yeah to get the but, potassium but it's only because the napoleon wars were going on and there was a shortage i guess he used to somehow use wood oh yeah yeah they used something else and then they switched and to seaweed because there mm-hmm. was a shortage because there was a war he moved to seaweed because he's like i love it next is the ocean and <laughs> I, I will try that look there's seaweed everywhere and nobody <laughs> wants seaweed so i will try seaweed we'll use that so if there wasn't a napoleon war going on mm. and he had to find an alternative to get the potassium to make the this silver nitrate right. we wouldn't have discovered iodine well we would have just later later yeah someone else would have done all right so thanks napoleon <laughs> you did something <laughs> good not bad okay like Interesting. Checking your mic. Like, no, Emma, I'm sure it's on. Because I turned it off when I was coughing. Oh, that's right. I don't right. have a cough button, you know. Or not that. We are not high techies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's cool. So he, he added sulfuric acid to the seaweed, and mm-hmm. they got purple fumes <laughs> that condensed into crystals. And he's like, purple he's like, haze. Yeah. So he gave it, what's from. interesting, he gave it to Charles Bernard de Sorms and Nicholas Clement, and they confirmed it was a new element. Mm-hmm. So then our friends that we've talked about before, Joseph Guy Lussac and Humphrey Davy, confirmed it. But Davy sent the report, and for 50 years it was thought that he was the discoverer yes. instead of Courtois. Yes. So he was <laughs> in Paris. Um, he was visiting because he got an yep. award. And he. Um, he just sent the report back, and like the royal like, yep. institution was like, "Davy, you discovered this. This That's is great. amazing!" And like, nobody corrected it. For Bernard, years. why weren't you like, "Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, that was me." He was too busy making the gunpowder. <laughs> He's like, "I am working in a factory for Napoleon." <laughs> um, yeah. So, can you? I mean, I mean, I know, I know, news traveled slowly right, in 1811. Like, like, still, 50 years. You 50 think you know? Like, wait a like, second. Was was Bernard? Courtois even alive when they finally got recognition. I don't know. I think he didn't get any any benefit out of it. That's for sure. Yeah, but then Davy, like, why didn't he be like, no, man, I didn't I know, do that. I know. You get back and you're like, because he's got plenty of other elements under his belt. He's like, I did. 
whatever. <laughs> Fine. I did he it too. He probably was too busy. Didn't even look at it. Yeah. Someone's probably like, congrats on the whole iodine thing. He's, He's like, like, oh yeah, yeah sure. Whatever. Yeah, I sent yeah. thing. That's, yeah, yeah that's you're great. welcome. Thanks. At least I would hope. I hope he wouldn't be like, yeah, no, that was me. That was totally me. I did Wink. all the work. <laughs> Let me get another medal. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? These crazy people. Mm-hmm. So the first commercial use was in photography. In 1839. Yes. And by Louis Deguerre. Mm. And what's cool is it was images on metal, and they were called Deguerreotypes. <laughs> Couldn't come up with a better name. That's not like, self-absorbed at no, all. No, not at all. Look, well, I invented a picture. This. I'm calling it a Gracematron. <laughs> I, would, I would buy one of those. Gracematron. Awesome. My one and only customer. <laughs> that and my mom. <laughs> or my dad. <laughs> there you go. My dad probably would buy it. He would totally buy it. Thanks, um, Dad. The uh, iodine salts are used in pharmaceuticals and disinfectants, printing, inks and dyes, catalysts, animal feed supplements, and photographic chemicals, polarizing filters for LCD displays, um, and of course, uh, uh, sterilizing and wound cleansing solutions. That's yeah. one of the big ones. So, yeah. you know, my um, I had a horse, and um, when you would, you, they would have wounds, and, you know, if you get like a little scrape or something like that, you just buy like basically a bottle of iodine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> squirt it on there it was brown not really purple yeah but it is more brown and, and it's kind of yeah because it's it's, I mean, it's, it's not straight mixed, iodine it's right. yeah it's mixed with something else but um it's very good disinfectant so you see that a lot and it's also um, it's also used in um uh, uh water purification mm -hmm. and funny story why i have a, a beef with beef iodine <laughs> beef i wait i was thinking iron Never mind. <laughs> um so i was camping I was leading a group of students, mm -hmm. uh, middle school, high school students. They let um, you lead? No, I was actually the second oh, okay. adult. I was not the leader. <laughs> All right. I know. Just, I, was, I was actually at the back of the pack, <laughs> making sure everyone got up the right. mountain. Right, <laughs> sure nobody fell off. Uh, okay. So we were using iodine tablets. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And they give you um, an, another tablet to put in after the water purification to kind of okay. um, like neutralize, neutralize yeah. the iodine. And Did you forget to put that in there? Well, I mean, you don't have to put it okay. in. It just makes your water taste kind of right? nasty. But I was like, oh, whatever. And I didn't put it in because we needed to get going. And I just, you know, I knew my water um, had purified long enough. Um, and then my throat started swelling. I'm allergic to iodine. Really? Yeah. Or at but, least the tablets. Right. Because I was saying with salt, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So just the more I think concentrated, it was more concentrated iodine. Wow. Yeah. Because my... My throat started swelling, and I was like, oh, I'm like, this is not good. And, like, I looked in a mirror, and I was like, well, yeah, there's there's barely a hole in my mouth. Like, it's really <laughs> swelling shut. And um, by the time we got down the mountain and they brought me to a doctor, the doctor's like, oh, I think you're allergic to peanuts, like the trail mix you were eating. I was oh, like, yeah, no, no. It's not that. No, because the only new thing in my diet is these iodine tablets. So it's not like official, but I'm right, like but pretty sure. Well, pretty and so, sure. It's not one of those things like, let me try it again. Hmm, let's, let's let's sample this that. one. So I can't use iodine tablets. And so I tell the doctors I'm allergic to iodine, although I'm not like a thousand percent sure. Right. But yeah, pretty sure high sorry. concentrate. Probably not a great thing for you. completely swell shut. So you know, well, that's, that's good. good. <laughs> but that's one that sometimes allergies can get worse. So the yeah. first time it happens, not so bad. The next time, boo! Well, I mean... I'm glad it was like the last day when it happened right. because I well the whole time we were there like I, my throat felt a little swollen even mm -hmm. though I was using the neutralizing tablets. But the last day I didn't use a neutralizing tablet and it was like yeah. I was like Ugh. yeah, which is ironic because iodine right, the iodine deficiency is all about the throat. It's all about the um, the thyroid the thyroid which yeah. is in your throat. 
So we have the, the small amounts of uh, are added to table salt to avoid the iodine deficiency because iodine deficiency causes uh, goiter, which is the throat, the, the thyroid gland swelling. Which is funny because it's called goiter, and like that's what they call like the chi- like the turkey, like the. Goiter. Oh, is that the? Is that? Oh, yeah. Is it? Is oh. it? Oh, is that? Yeah, a little wobble. Yeah. Oh, that was a. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can think of gobbler, and it's not, definitely not it. But <laughs> the scientific term is gobbler. Gobbler, yeah. but they um Goiter. that uh, uh iodine deficiency can also um um give you intellectual disabilities. Are you looking right? at cret and cretinism? Yeah, right, which cretins. is terrible. So it's a congenital hypo hypothyroid. So mm-hmm. your thyroid isn't isn't uh, um doing what it should um yeah uh it's um where was it um oh we'll go into that um but so uh it and then so so because of that you get severe stunted physical and mental development because the thyroid is important in in a lot of that regulation so but cretinism is a bad term now like they change it to hypothyroid because well yeah so yeah, in the in the eighteen hundreds, um, in the Swiss Alps, there was like a lot of people that had like this deficiency. Mm-hmm. They weren't getting iodine, and English travelers wrote of the valleys of the Cretans. Mm. And it was it was people with goiter, mm-hmm. and um, I was listening to a podcast on iodine, and the the guy who did the he used to go in Italy up into the mountains and he would stay there mm-hmm. and he saw this old man next to this factory and he had like big, big, giant. big, like big, he described it something like, like a sack where his neck should be. Right. And he was like, he was like, dad, what's that? What's that? What's that? His dad, I guess was super patient. And he's like, well, that's, that's a man with goiter. And he explained it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, and it was just really, it was really interesting that, um, it, it took a while. Um, Dr. David Marine? No. Oh, I have Dr. I can't do French. Francois Condet. He found the connection between iodine and goiter. But people thought he was poisoning his patients. (laughs) So he was afraid to leave his house for fear of being attacked. But he was, I think he was giving him a little too much iodine. Um, Mm. But he was like, wait a minute. Look, people next to the sea... So this is interesting because kind of don't have it as much as people up in the mountains. So so uh, what I found was that uh, David Marine in 1905 saw that connection that mm. he was and this was um that there was a place between the Rockies to the Great Lakes to western New York that was called the Goiter Belt. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody had goiter. Um and so he saw the increase in goiter in people and in animals. So you see dogs with goiter and stuff too. Ah. So he was the um, linked it to um, he was uh, the I found was that the, he was the one that basically linked it to that um, and then um, but the, so the people by the coast you get it enough from being near the ocean and, and the soil yeah but inland is where they're getting deficient um, so he's the one that I found that that kind of put that connection together and started and did, he did a study where he had a control control group and it was like two thousand of each people. Um, and so one set was given the iodine and another set was not. And it was huge where like almost everybody who, di- who didn't get the iodine got goiter <laughs> or like, like four or 500 people or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other ones, like three people got goiter. <laughs> so it was definitely um, linked. And then the first iodized salt was sold in Michigan in 1924. Um, and that basically eliminated iron, uh, goiter. I- I- goiter and iodine Goiterism. deficiency in, uh, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah. I mean, these were in different parts of the world. Right. I'm not sure when mine was. I tried to look for a date. Yeah, I, I don't know. To find it. But what's funny is that they actually ra a radioactive isotope of iodine is sometimes used to treat cancerous thyroid glands. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 Um, it's it's used in thyroid cancer treatment because it preferentially acc um, acclimates in the or in the thyroid. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it goes it, it likes to it goes yes, to stay there. Where, like, yeah. Iodine mm -hmm. likes to go. So it's a more focused treatment. Right. Instead of harming the healthy tissue throughout your entire right. body, because it, it wants to be go there anyway right there right and so um again that kind of goes with what we were talking about before on one of the other podcasts about taking those drugs that can go straight to certain cells that but this is primarily better for bigger tumors and mm -hmm. not for cluster cells and so that's mm -hmm. where acetine right. acetine 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 um has potential and we'll get to acetine okay. in a little bit but you know where iodine it's great for thyroid cancer because it goes straight to the thyroid right. it likes the thyroid Specific. but it's not as good at um getting the little cluster More cells diffuse, of cancer yeah. um it's bigger for like the big tumors right. um acetine has some promising properties oh, that we'll get to i'm excited about that um i they only use have it one more cultural thing for okay me. they have um they use it for internal contrasting agents for imaging oh. and ct scans the computed tomography mm -hmm. and radiography and fluoroscopy so it's apparent for being able to see inside you <laughs> i see inside you so um again it's one of those the rarest elements that's needed for life it's essential for humans you need 0.1 milligrams per day we have about 20 milligrams in the body mainly in the thyroid again you got to realize though that how much salt we intake <laughs> We have to have more than that. I'm sure, probably. Dude, I just but like, I'm like, this needs more salt. <laughs> it's the first thing you do when you flavor a food. Just put some salt on it. Mm. Good. Yummy, yummy salt. Um, but the thyroid is the thing that regulates growth and body temperature, which is why you get the, you know, if it's hypothyroid, you have issues with growth and some development mm. issues. Um, uh, but it is the least reactive of all the halogens. Yes. Which is interesting. Um, By the way, if you hear dogs barking, it's yeah. Cindy's fault. It's, it's they, well, they're barking at protecting the house. They're like, it's a leaf. I don't know oh. if they can actually hear it through through the, the window and into these mics. They might know. not. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. Um, so naturally abundant, it's found in um, the largest reservoirs in seawater as iodide. Mm -hmm. um, trace amounts uh, get taken up by seaweed. Um, and then past that's how it was obtained. You were mentioning that earlier, mm -hmm. right? Getting the iodine from... Um, from seaweed, but now the main sources are iodate minerals, which are natural yeah. brine deposits left by the evaporation of ancient seas yes. and brackish waters, right? Brackish meaning salty and fresh water mixed together mm. um, from oil and salt wells. And so they get it from release. They release the iodine. They release the iodine from iodate obtained from nitrate uh, ores or release extracting the iodine. <laughs> iodine vapor from Cracking. the processed brine. Um, one thing that I use iodine for in my biology classes is it's a really good, it's a test for starch. Yes. So when we're looking at osmosis and showing what, you know, wh how, uh, water molecules or small molecules will go across the, a membrane, mm -hmm. you put, um, starch on the inside of a bag and you, then you put, um, iodine, water with iodine on the outside and then you see the iodine goes into the bag and it turns the bag dark purple, bla black purple indicating the starch is inside, but the starch can't go outside of the bag because the molecules are too big. Mm. So you can see the water is moving into the bag, and then you can see it because it changes the color inside the bag mm. for starch, which yeah, is pretty cool. if you want to know your food's starchy, just splash some iodine on it. <laughs> Bing! Just grab that iodine from your uh, medicine cabinet. We know, <laughs> you know it's there. Just saying. Um, seaweed, scallops, shrimp, and cod are really high in iodine. Uh, but you can get it from land plants, too, if they're in soils that are rich in iodine. Mm -hmm. And from dairy products and eggs, if the animals have enough iodine in their diet. Mm. 
Mm. It would come out in and, their mm-hmm. products. And it is the leading co- preventable cause of mental disability in developing areas of the world. Because some people don't have yeah. iodine and they don't have, you know, salt, iodine that's in salts and stuff. Um, so in the developing areas, there's not a lot of, there's more issues with that. Mm-hmm. So it's a leading preventable cause, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't quite realize that. Well, that's just annoying. I just want to go throw like know, some iodine iodide. salt. You get iodine and you get iodine. Everybody gets Everybody iodine. Everybody gets iodine. Except me, I don't want it. Uh, yeah, except for, <laughs> except for you. It closes I up my throat. I get enough in my diet. Um, and then it is a component of nuclear fallout. So uh, you are in danger of inhaling and ingesting iodine, which is highly toxic in large doses if that occurs. Huh. High dosages like me. Um, you talk about that. I'm going to let the dog in because I think he's barking to come inside. Well, I'm just going to quickly talk okay. about how um, she's not even here to listen. So, hey, guys, it's just Grace here. This uh, podcast has been brought to you by us and this dog. Hi, Wash. Okay. So, um... So, like we talked about, it's a disinfectant. Um, it's mentioned, it's a pretty big, important part in Ernest Hemingway's The Snows of Kilimanjaro. Oh. A man dies at length on the mountainside, and it's not because of his injuries. It's because he failed to put iodine oh. on his injured leg. Oh. So, Infection. the cause of death, it is made clear, is not the original accident, but the man's failure to apply treatment. It seems he subconsciously chooses death because it offers him an escape from that worst of Hemingway, of Hemingway fates, the forming of a mature human relationship. Whoa, that's a. <laughs> I think maybe he just forgot. Oh, <laughs> Hemingway is uh, it's a bit deeper than that. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. It's <laughs> also mentioned in Aldous Huxley's uh, "The Eyeless Eyeless in in Gaza." Quoted by the cynical adventurer Mark Straits as saying, no humanitarian nonsense about iodine. Okay. And there's a Leonard Cohen 1977 song called Iodine. Uh, it gains its sense from the womanish um, contrariness of the element in medicine, stinging one minute, soothing the next. Oh. Okay. I would never thought there would be a song about iodine. Oh, yeah. Hmm. 1977. You never, well, they were going through some more things then. <laughs> he was probably smoking iodine. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. It's so stingy. It's so good. <laughs> it burns. And it then burns it's so, so good. good. <laughs> Just like a woman. Iodine. Oh. Dun, dun. Yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. Acetine. Acetine. So acetines, um, these last two are, are pretty. Astatine. Astatine. This will be fun. This will be ass. It so, means unstable right. from the Greek <laughs> astatos. It is the rarest element on earth. Only 25 grams of it occurred naturally. Yes. Um, it's in the Guinness Book of World Record <laughs> for the, the, rarest. the rarest element that naturally occurs in nature. It is dangerously radioactive. Yes. Yes, it is. So in 1939, two groups came near discovery, but 1940, Dale Carson and Kenneth Ross McKenzie and Emilio Segre from the University of California um, shot alpha particles at bismuth 209, um, and they produced it. It was origi- artificially produced. Yes, and... But they weren't able to continue because of World War II. Yes, and but fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Emilio Segre... Segre... Mm-hmm. Segre we're not experts here um so he was at uc berkeley because 
he couldn't go back to Italy because Mussolini was anti-Semitic <laughs> mm. and was like, you're Jewish. No, get you away. You cannot be at the university. So mm-hmm. he was hanging so out. So we got. <laughs> so we got him. Hey. And I think he awesome. even helped with the Manhattan. Yep. Oh, so Manhattan World War Two happened and mm-hmm. Segre went on to be a group leader of the Manhattan Project. Because, yeah, they, they didn't get to continue their work on astatine because there was a nu- the nuclear weapon focus of trying to make the bomb. Yeah. And, that, and so. it wasn't until after World War Two that they even named it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting. In 1942, Berta Karlick and Troud Barrett, Bennett. I thought you were going to be like, Troud. I can't read my handwriting. Uh, Bennett, <laughs> uh, they discovered it and they suggested the name Viennium, but it was World War II. They didn't know what was going on, so they didn't know that ni- in 1940 it had already been discovered. Aww. Yeah, so that was kind of sad. For Snooze, them. you lose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's no no known use of it besides research. The half-life is only eight hours of the most stable isotope. Yes. So yes. it not last very long. So half-life is basically how long it takes for half of the um, compound or element to deteriorate. deteriorate. Yeah. yeah. So um, they said if, if you had enough of it in solid form, which you can't, but if you did, they think it would be dark purple. Right, and the, it's still not the physicists and further properties based on other halogen groups because it's yeah, not long, like, long enough to know. We're guessing it'd be purple because all the other halogens are purple. But the mass spectrometer confirms that it acts like other halogens, especially like iodine. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. what they've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's no known biological role because it's toxic and radioactive. Um, it's the least reactive and most metallic properties of ha- of the halogen group. Mm-hmm. But the, again, the color is still unknown, but they think... It should They're like, be if black. it could, it be purple. Yeah. Because um, everything else is purple. <laughs> and so, yeah, it is, in, in, it is found in nature, but not very much. And mainly you get it by doing it artificially, um, mm-hmm. but usually not in weighable amounts. <laughs> Here's a few atoms. <laughs> Yay. So um, they make it in nuclear reactors by the neutron bombardment of bismuth 200. So basically, bismuth. yeah, bombarding other things and making it break up and turning into these other things. Um. Yeah, and so there's no danger, but as you were mentioning before, um, it's not dangerous. It's highly radioactive, but it's not really dangerous to people because it's so rare. Like, (laughs) you're not going to find it. Right. Um, But in the the short half-life. So even if you are exposed, it goes away pretty quickly. It's half-life, too, when it breaks down. It's... breaks down into a more stable compound. And right, that's what radioactivity is. Yeah. You're breaking down into something a little bit more stable. Yeah, And it breaks down into something actually very, very stable, which is why they're, they're hopeful if they can make enough of it um, because they it has alpha particles versus beta particles. Mm-hmm. So alpha, I, yeah, alpha decay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, what it produces. So I think iodine is more beta. It's a beta particle. Mm. And so when they use it in cancer, that's why it can attack the big tumors but it has a hard time going oh, and the finding the ones. small mm-hmm. cluster cells but um astatine astatine and they they think um, it's it, it will it, it is thought to accumulate in the thyroid like iodine yeah and so they think that if they can get enough of it because it's an alpha particle and they can mm-hmm. get smaller and it decays pretty quickly right. and it's not going to affect other things because it's going to decay pretty yeah, quickly yeah that if they can get enough of it and shoot it at a at cancer mm-hmm. you know a little laser um that it can be used for more cluster cell type cancers mm-hmm. interesting so it's hopeful but they got to figure out research how to how to i mean we get the, a lot of things where it's like yeah this is gonna be great if we can figure exactly how to do it and that's why scientists need money that's right um, they did find that it may be important in radio immunotherapy um, for cancer treatments um, because the, they've done some uh, promising trials with bone marrow transplants in leukemia patients and stem cell transplants and chemotherapy on brain tumors because it improves the 
RIT, the radio immunotherapy efficiency. It, kill, it, um, it kills the cells that are resistant to the chemo and radioactive therapies. Oh, well that's yeah. good. So Find an alternative for what we can't, for the ones that are immune. Exactly. So do you have any? Uh, do you have something else oh on? God, that's yeah, that's really pretty much. much. It's like it's terrible. It's a uh, radioactive, but could be helpful in. And it uh, doesn't medicine. really exist. Yeah, uh, barely. And one something that really doesn't exist. Tennessee. <laughs> so in 2010, the Joint Institute for Nuclear Research in Dubna, Russia, the Lawrence Livermore National Lab in California, and the Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee um, discovered it. Uh, again, made it. <laughs> um, they they bombard Berker. Berkelium mm -hmm. with ions of calcium, and you end up with this tennessine. Mm -hmm. But only it's highly reactive metal. Only a few atoms have ever been made, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. atoms, like mm -hmm. just <laughs> one or two. Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting is they, so they, they, it was confirmed in 2015. So yeah. they found it in 2010, confirmed in 2015. On April 5th of 2010. Ooh, yeah. Um, previously, it was uh, called un unseptium, <laughs> which is a placeholder name meaning one in seven in Latin. So they put that in there until they finally decide to name oh. it. So in, it didn't even get named until November of 2016. I actually have a picture of a periodic table with yeah, a whole unobsetium. bunch of, yeah. yeah, I know. Which is which like a whole row of Because I didn't actually know about this one. I was like, wait a minute. When I heard the unobsetium, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I know that one. And I hadn't heard of Tennessee. Well, that's because only three years ago was it named uh -huh. Tennessee. Right? So they, they put placeholders when they find something until they get, you know, because it goes through a lot of people to decide who gets the name. So the Nowadays, international... Back in the day, they're just like... <laughs> It's, I'll I found name it. It's made. I'm the first um, one that said it. The International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry approved the name Tennessee in 2016. And that's after the state of Tennessee. Right. Because Did we of say the, that? Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't. But that was, yeah, one yeah. of them. And then there's another one that was similar. I think the same guys found it. And that one's called Mosco Moscovium because for Russia. Moscovium. Um, but so the, talking about the half-life, the half-life is of the two most stable isotopes is 80 milliseconds. <laughs> So it's literally like, it's there, it's gone. It's there, it's gone. <laughs> so it's really hard to capture. Yeah. The only thing I have on it is um, oh. at 68 degrees Fahrenheit, it's a solid. Well, oh, did you find it? Because I, mine just said it's expected to be solid, but it's unknown. Well, I have melting point <laughs> unknown, boiling point unknown, unknown, percentage anywhere, none, uses <laughs> only in research. It's like the tiniest little. She's like, oh, and by the way. Acetate. Astatine um, has actually not very much in this book. I have another book that I use. It's a it's a book for children, it's but very cool. shut up! It's really amazing. Um, called Periodic Table: The Definitive Visual Catalog of the Building Blocks of the Universe. Featuring did, did they say themselves that it's the definitive? Because I think it's always kind of funny. This is the definitive work because I That's said what so. It says, the I know, but did they catalog? say that it's definitive, or did everybody else say it's definitive? That's two different different things. I'm pretty sure they just say what yeah, they I want. Know. I'm just saying. I don't know why they're using the word definitive for a children's book anyway. But um, if you um, want to know a little bit about chemicals, but like... And pretty pictures. And pr yeah. The yeah. pictures are beautiful yeah, in this thing. Um, but like don't want to be overwhelmed. Like if our podcast overwhelms you, <laughs> you should get this book. Because yeah. then it just has like... There's the most it has like two pages on an element yeah. and half of its big pretty pictures mm -hmm. in color. It's pretty pretty. I'm kind of jealous of it whenever she brings you it out. You should be. Maybe maybe for your birthday you'll get it. Ooh, yay. Yeah. But, then, but then I won't have all my <laughs> extra notes <laughs> yeah. from there. I just won't look at it for the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> That's what I use a lot of these books for. It's fun. Mm -hmm. 
So that's, no, it. that's it. That's the halogens. halogens. Yeah, all the way down the oh, table there. Fairly well, halogens. <laughs> it was good. Go produce salts. Yes. Don't kill people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's that balance of like, don't kill people. You're highly toxic, but you could <laughs> save people <laughs> if used correctly. I feel like people are like that. That's very true. You're terrible, but you could be you good. Could. <laughs> just a little bit right there. We just got to manipulate you in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> just steer you that uh, way. Be good. Yeah. Thank you. So, All right. um, any shameless plugs you want to do? Uh, you can see me at Pacific Mammal Research. and You can actually see Inst- her. Yeah, you can actually see me. I just post pictures of myself sometimes. Sometimes. And marine mammals. Um, on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And www.pacmam.org, P-A-C-A-M-A-M. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, you know, um, you can follow my life, um, which is not that exciting, but you can, um, at Run Mama Run 50 by 50 uh, on Instagram. That's 50x50. I'm going to be back into running, so <laughs> my, my actual name will make sense, and it won't just be me. <laughs> Posting pictures and of holding coffee maybe cups. Maybe we'll actually get to run together again someday. 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 Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's been so long. Been, I know. Well, we could do a weekend sometime soon. Yeah, that's true. When you're not on your... It's exciting that you're going to go oh, on Alaska a, cruise. Go on yes. a cruise. I'm excited. That's really exciting. Get some cool pictures from there. I'm not going anywhere because I have a newborn. Yeah. He's right here He's next to us. He's super cute. Still sleeping. Oh, yeah. He slept through this whole podcast. He did. He's... He's adorable. <laughs> And he's a great sleeper during the day. Did I tell you that? No, during the day. Did I tell you that I um someone gave me a inorganic chemistry for babies book? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh Brilliant. maybe we'll put on YouTube a video of me reading it. That would be fantastic. We should do that. We're doing this little video there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We should do that. Or just we can do the podcast. You can even just read it. Right, but I I could like show you the pictures because otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because like this is a ball, it's attached <laughs> to a like it's an atom. Like, wait a minute. Here's yeah. The, yeah, it's not as no. That's a good idea. Yeah. You have a little video just for fun. I like it for funsies. funsies. That might be a project we do coming up. Sweet. So um yeah. All right. Charlie will have to let me borrow his book. Well, he doesn't know how to not share yet so yeah. he doesn't do even it. know how to lift his head so yeah that's true actually he does he's such a strong boy <laughs> so anyways all right feel free to like subscribe have any questions elemental fun podcast at gmail.com um please leave a review <laughs> i think i'm the only one that's reviewed it so five stars yeah. <laughs> um so that we know you're there and yeah. that you're listening so thank you so much for listening. We're going to let you go now because it's been almost 50 minutes. Ooh, um, 10 seconds. All right. all right. We won't be seeing you. No. You we'll, won't be seeing we'll us. talk to you later. We'll talk at you. Bye. Bye. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Benjamin was making funny noises today, or funny voices, so oh. that's what I was going for. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were just trying to be E.T. Well, that too. Oh. Um, um. Oh, no.
Give me some bromine. <laughs> <laughs>